0: Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and unpack it into relatable concepts. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and today we're talking about the popular topic of injectables. Yes, we'll have a great conversation about fillers, Botox, and more. First, we'll discuss some general principles about injectables, then discover how they differ individually. What can they accomplish? When would you use certain ones? And how long will they last? To finish, we'll circle back around to go over some important issues common to all injectables. Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and my opinion. It is not intended to give formal medical advice, but instead you can use it to gain insight, whether you are actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. So settle in for a listen and enjoy. In the previous Plastic Surgery Decoded episode on lines, wrinkles, and how to achieve facial rejuvenation with a layered approach, I mentioned injectables. But what do I mean by injectables? Well, injectables is simply a term referring to materials in a syringe that are injected into the body to enhance appearance or improve a perceived problem. While they can be used in other parts of the body for various goals, today we're just talking about facial enhancement. Aimed at combating the signs of aging. Throughout time, facial appearance has been an ever present concern for many people, as it can impact how others treat us. And these days, it has taken on greater attention by an even younger population as compared to, say, 20 years ago. The explosion of visual social media and selfies has led to an uptick in the number of people seeking out non surgical methods to improve appearance. But let me take a moment to say that while youth is clearly revered in our society, age is graceful and natural. You are beautiful or handsome as you are. Yet for those who have done some soul searching and decided they want to explore the benefits of injectables, there are some interesting and exciting changes that can be realized. Since many times the effects of injectables are temporary, it is not uncommon for people to try this genre of treatment for maybe a boost of confidence, among other reasons. Injectables have actually been used for many years now, but much refinement of the available products has occurred. In fact, new ones seem to come out all the time. It's amazing what can be achieved with injectables these days, from reducing frown lines to recontouring the face, to even approaching a limited rhinoplasty, meaning nose job, for example, and much more. However, please note While injectables can accomplish a lot, they are not a complete substitute for surgery if, from the effects of aging, a lift or a tuck is truly needed to improve the area. Trying to force injectables to be the sole treatment in this situation will lead to disappointment and possibly an over-treated or over-injected look. Nobody wants that. And as you've heard me say before, formal consultation with your plastic surgeon can give you the best chance at happy, satisfying results for two reasons. They will be able to enlighten you about all the possibilities, not just the latest and greatest you've read about. And they have good knowledge of the benefits and the limitations of both injectable and surgical options. Okay, so let's get into injectables. According to statistics from the ASPS, or American Society of Plastic Surgeons, Injectable procedures, as they've been called, have dramatically surpassed true surgical procedures in frequency and popularity for both men and women. In fact, over 10 million injectable procedures were performed over the last year, with Botox and similar neuromodulators tripling even the number of filler injections. That translates to, if you can believe it, nearly $5 billion spent on injectables. That's billion with a B. Kind of mind-blowing! With that much popularity, you may wonder if they're right for you, so it's important to understand the goal of injectables and the mechanism for how they achieve it. The goal is very simply to reduce the signs of facial aging, including lines, wrinkles, and contour irregularities. But when we talk about the mechanism, we must break it down to the two main categories of injectables, fillers and neuromodulators. While the goal for these two different categories of injectables may be similar, the way in which they go about accomplishing this is quite different. And here is one of the most important concepts to grasp. They both come at the goal of reducing lines and wrinkles from different directions. A filler can reduce wrinkling by plumping up an area to stretch the overlying skin, while a neuromodulator, like Botox, can reduce wrinkling by weakening the contraction of the underlying muscle that is creating the skin wrinkle in the first place. So given that difference, let's discuss each of these two categories of injectables separately. We'll start with fillers. One of the ways the face shows age is the loss or downward shifting of youthful fat under the skin. So filler has the potential to do just what its name says and fill in areas that are depressed or have developed irregular contour. And sometimes it can even subtly pull up skin, such as in the cheek, by adding volume at or above the problem area. But again, it's not going to be a substitute for a facelift if one is needed, especially if the skin has lost elasticity with age and can just keep stretching out in response to the added volume. That's what may lead to a bloated or overdone look but strategically and judiciously placed filler can nicely enhance the look of facial areas that have depleted volume. The most common areas treated with filler are the cheekbone area, which can develop some hollowing under it, the nasolabial folds, which are the big smile lines or folds that go from the nose to the corner of the mouth, the lips, which can become deflated with age or maybe never were very plump even in younger days, and marionette lines, which develop from the corner of the mouth down to the jawline, and are a sign of age. That last one is a reference to a wooden puppet with a moving chin. Not the nicest name, but you get the picture. Other areas that can be treated with filler are the jawline itself, from ear to chin, to give a straighter or more defined look, or the chin alone, if it is a little receding or has bumpy contour. And an area we don't think about often, but is a telltale sign of age, is the temple. It may be surprising, but a little bit of filler in that hollow area that can develop goes a long way to restore a youthful appearance. Even earlobes can be injected with a little filler to plump them out since they can stretch and wrinkle as we age and make it difficult to sport earrings sometimes. And as I alluded to earlier, filler can produce some minor contour corrections to the nose by disguising bumps and asymmetry. The applications of filler may seem fairly limitless As we continue to discuss filler, you should know that there are different types of filler, and that may affect which one should be chosen for a particular person's desired result. Probably the most common type of filler is made from hyaluronic acid. Some popular examples are Juvederm, Restylane, and Belotero. Hyaluronic acid, or HA for short, is a wonderful compound that is naturally found in our bodies, so rarely does it cause any type of reaction when injected. It works in two great ways to add volume where needed. First, it is a gel that, of course, will plump up the area where it is injected because it occupies space. But secondly, it has the chemical property of being hydrophilic, hydro meaning water and philic meaning attraction. So it attracts water from the surrounding area. That additional fluid will help maintain plumpness as well. There are many different formulations of these HA fillers that involve crosslinking and other measures to affect the density or viscosity or thickness of each one, making the different HA fillers ideal for specific areas. Thicker products are often used for deeper injection, such as Juvederm Voluma and Restylane Lift, to build up volume, often over bone, like the cheekbone region, for example. But less dense formulations may be best for more superficial, finer lines and wrinkles. Lip treatment often involves filler with an in-between density, or a combination of filler types can be used to create fullness, yet also help fine lines. For all of the HA fillers, results are typically seen right away, though there may be some mild swelling for a day or two. And how long each HA filler lasts depends on these formulations, as well as on how deeply it was injected, and of course on how quickly an individual's body metabolizes the HA and eventually dissolves it. It's different from person to person. And that leads to the concept of maintenance. Again, in general, these fillers have a lifespan, so you must expect to be retreated periodically. Most HA fillers will last maybe six to 12 months, but the denser ones can last possibly up to 18 months or more. But keep in mind that these lengths of time mean when it's all gone. It will actually be gradually dissolving over that period of time. So if you like the look it creates and you want to keep the look, you will probably want to retreat sooner than the end of the filler cycle. One of the beauties of HA filler is that it's relatively reversible. If someone doesn't like the new look or a problem has occurred, a substance called hyaluronidase can be injected into the area to break down the filler and speed up its dissolving process. This is why I think HA fillers are ideal to start with if you've never had filler before. If you don't like the look, you know it will dissolve over time. Or if you really dislike it, that process can be sped up. Well, what other types of filler are there, you may wonder? We can't discuss all of them here. There are too many. But a few of them are noteworthy to mention. Biostimulatory fillers such as hydroxyl apatite, like Radiesse, and polylactic acid, like Sculptra, work by stimulating the tissues in the injected area to form new collagen. And that can lead to longer lasting results, maybe 18 months to two years. Yet they are not really dissolvable like HA fillers. So I personally have recommended to new filler patients to start with HA fillers and then progress to these others later if they wish. But these biostimulatory fillers can produce some really nice aesthetic volume restoration results, and they have been also extremely helpful in HIV patients who had severe facial wasting or atrophy. And then, of course, there's nature's filler, your own body's fat. It's the ultimate way to be green, I suppose. Fat can be harvested through liposuction, for example, and concentrated into syringes, then injected into the face in any areas needing volume. It may be a little unpredictable in terms of how much will stay in place and how much the body will clear away, but the portion that takes well will generally last the longest of any filler, unless you lose weight, of course. I'll go over fat grafting or fat transfer in more detail in a future podcast episode. Okay, we've talked about fillers, the first category of injectables, in some depth. Now let's go on to discuss the other category of injectables, namely neuromodulators. By far, the most commonly used neuromodulator is Botox, but there are others available, such as Dysport, Xeomin, and Juveau. These different types vary a little bit by length of effectiveness and price point. But in the interest of simplicity for the purposes of this podcast, I'll refer to Botox as representing the neuromodulator group as a whole. Again, the neuromodulator, Botox, provides a targeted weakness of the muscles where it's injected, which can be helpful in reducing lines or creases in the overlying skin. If the muscle doesn't contract, the overlying skin won't be bunched together to create a fold. And remember, that continuous folding of skin that has started to lose elasticity will eventually result in a wrinkle over time. Some people, when they hear Botox, think, oh, no, frozen face, which sounds completely unnatural. Well, let me tell you that with a skilled injector, there is a way to utilize Botox to reduce wrinkles and lines while still allowing facial expression. Though there are no guarantees, there is a collaboration between the injector and the patient to achieve the specific results the patient is looking for. Botox is actually based on a toxin that is produced in a biological lab by bacteria, the same type of bacteria that are responsible for botulism from spoiled food but it was discovered that small concentrations of this toxin can actually have beneficial effects, hence the development of Botox. You may have heard about Botox also being used to help writer's cramp, spasms or ticks, or even excessive sweating. But in terms of facial rejuvenation, Botox has more restriction regarding where it can be used as compared to fillers because we don't want to weaken or paralyze certain important functional muscles. The most common areas for Botox include the forehead, where those horizontal lines can develop over time, and the glabella, right above the nose, where people develop frown lines, sometimes in the shape of a number 11. Also a common area is around the outside of the eyes to treat what some people call crow's feet. Botox may be used in a small combination of areas to produce a chemical brow lift, if you will. Additional applications for Botox injections can be around the mouth to treat fine wrinkles or to reduce a gummy smile. though You don't want too much here or it will be hard to use a straw. It can treat bunny lines on the sides of the nose and judiciously in the neck. It can help those vertical bands that show up with age. Sometimes Botox has even been used at the corner angle of the jaw to reduce bulky muscle that may be present. But caution has to be taken to avoid creating a functional problem for chewing. Now, with Botox, you won't see results right away. It takes maybe five to seven days on average for the Botox to be taken up by the muscles and start its effect. Sometimes making a point to contract those muscles often after the injection will speed up the onset of effect, but you definitely don't want to rub the area as that could move the Botox to a different region where it could cause a problem. No one wants a droopy eyelid after a forehead injection. But by the way, if that did happen, there are eye drops that can help it though it may not fully go away until the Botox wears off. Botox lasts three or more months on average, depending upon how much was injected and again on how quickly each individual's body metabolizes the substance. Maintenance injections are definitely required. But I found in my practice that if patients receive their maintenance injections pretty regularly, they might get a little cumulative effect, meaning in the future they could use a little less product a little less frequently. Now that we've separately covered the two basic categories of injectables, fillers and neuromodulators, or Botox, you should know that it's not an either-or situation with injectable categories. Different types of injectables can be used in combination with each other and can have a complementary effect with each other. Sometimes that actually creates the best results as you are approaching a problem from two different directions. Injectables can also be used with a planned surgery to get more out of it or they may be used after a surgical procedure to help maintain results. Here is where a professional consultation is key to developing a treatment plan to maximize happiness with outcome. All right, to finish, let's circle back around to answer some questions about injectables in general. Who does the injections? Well, typically it's your physician-surgeon or a trained injection nurse who is physician-supervised. It's important to take this seriously because over-injection or improper injection can lead to problems. Excellent knowledge of facial anatomy is crucial to achieve the desired results and to help avoid complications, though sometimes these will still occur, even in the best of hands. So what about those complications beyond a little swelling or bruising? Rash, severe foreign body reaction, or allergic reaction are all possible, but quite rare. For some of the fillers, especially longer-lasting ones, nodules, or what's called granulomas, may develop under the skin, though not commonly. Treatment options are certainly available, but there have been a small number of cases where surgical removal was necessary. In general, injectables are well-tolerated, and complications are most often minor. But, Serious complications have once in a while been reported as well, such as skin sloughing or even blindness from filler accidentally injected into an artery. Very uncommon, but could happen. Again, it's so important to have an experienced professional providing this service who can recognize problems early on and treat accordingly. Another question I've been asked is what's it like to have these injections? Does it hurt? Well, sure, Anytime a small needle is part of the picture, there can be some discomfort. But for Botox in particular, it's really not too bad. Ice to the area right before and after injection may be beneficial. And for some of the deeper filler, or injections into more sensitive areas, local anesthetic can be used to help out. And what about aftercare? Again, ice is useful. And sometimes arnica gel can reduce bruising. Rubbing of the treated area is usually avoided unless there are specific instructions to do so. And I think it's best to avoid strenuous exercise, intense sun exposure, and drinking alcohol for 24 hours after injection. These activities all risk worsening of redness or swelling otherwise. Goodness, we have covered a lot of ground with the topic of injectables. I hope you'll leave our discussion with a nice basic understanding of their use and how far non-surgical facial rejuvenation has come. If you decide to try them out, may they serve you well and in good health. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something, too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.